Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everybody. It's Lila, the educator motivator coming to you from Los Angeles. You can find me on Twitter at, at Ms. Lila Noor at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. This week, oh no, not this week. Ooh, I'm gonna get it together. Um, I am currently the middle and high school teacher at an all-girls public school. I am also the regional coordinator for CPM. It's one of the adopted curriculums, college preparatory mathematics that we've adopted here in LAUSD. And also I'm a sixth or seventh year master teacher with Math for America Los Angeles. This week, I am grateful for the weather. I've been waiting for it to kind of, sort of, a little bit, maybe feel like fall, and it finally is starting to feel like fall, where the temperature is now below 80, getting towards 60, low 60s, and that is where I thrive. I'm ready to wear sweaters. I'm ready to put on my boots, and that's what's going to just take me to the next level of feeling just happy and inspired. Yeah. Greetings, great people. Coach Jay here. I'm coming to you from um, Atlanta, Georgia. Jadrian Grimes, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Jadrian Grimes. That's J-A-D-R-I-E-N-G-R-I-M-E-S. Worked 13 years in the banking and financial services industry and now building a career in youth development and education. Uh, this week, I'm just grateful for the holiday season. Um, I love seeing people happy and, and seeing people, you know, successful in life. And it just seems like everyone's in such a great mood, or at least a better mood around the holidays. So um, I enjoy spending time with my family as well as I'm sure my two co-hosts do as well and a lot of our listeners out there. So I'm just excited that it's the holiday season. And, we can be happy for a change at this time of year. <laughs> we just been mad this whole time. <laughs> yeah, people been pissed off you know, <laughs> all year. This is Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star. I'm a mathematics specialist. My social media handle is at drkchilds. Hit me up on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, you name it, Marco Polo, Facebook. College Club, Black Planet, all of them. This week, I'm grateful for the year is almost over, which means I've completed some different tasks. I'm starting on my 2019 plan, which includes some new instructional videos and a new book. So I'm super excited because I've gotten over several different hurdles and completed some tasks so I can start this new book that I want to use to transform not only mathematics, but transform mathematics education. If you want to hear about my new book, check me out on my website, www.christopherchilds.com. Sign up for my email list or just hit me up on social media at drkchilds. The doctor. This week, we have a hot show for you playing the culture of overtesting, the culture of overtesting students. Not every single student learns in the same way and therefore, not every student can accurately demonstrate mastery of educational topics and concepts in a similar fashion. As a result, standardized testing can be an ineffective method of assessment. While some teachers are completely against standardized testing, 
Others will tell you they don't have the power with the standardized test themselves, but with how the results are interpreted and used. Most teachers say you can't get a true indicator of what any particular student is capable of on a single test on any particular day. Standardized tests aren't just a pain for students. Many school systems use the results to determine the effectiveness of teachers themselves. Thus, the overemphasis has caused many teachers to shift their overall approach to teaching to a focus directly on the test. This not only takes away from creativity, but limits the scope of what is being taught and can quickly create teacher burnout. So this week, testing, 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 testing. Everybody's familiar with testing, with your educator, with your student, with your parent. You're familiar with this culture of over-testing. So I'm going to throw it off to my inspiring educator co-host. What are your thoughts on this culture of over-testing students? It's exhausting for everybody involved. I mean, when we're doing testing, we got to completely change our school schedule. The kids have to get ready or they feel real anxious. We have to completely change our plans for the week. You know, it's, it's, it's tiring. And because it's so much testing, and to be honest with you, I don't even know what's done with half of the results. I'm going to just be honest with you. Some of them, yes, I know. Others, no clue. Maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe <laughs> nobody knows. But I find myself really not paying attention to tests just because I, I agree with everything that Chris has already said. It's too much. It's it takes a toll on everyone, as well as the fact that you can't measure what everybody knows in one given way on one opportunity. So for me, I just, I don't know, I'd be ignoring tests, but <laughs> that, that might not be a good thing to, to do. I don't know. It's neither here nor, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> is, is it still like a, like a week thing? Like you, they block out like a five day period to where you do the test. Is that still happening in school or has it changed? Depends on the test. Oh, okay. Some tests are one day, some tests are one class period. Some tests you get extra time, you can have as much time as you want. Some tests are time, some tests take four days. It just, it all varies. So Jadrian, that's a great question. Most tests, are given between February and May. But I'm gonna give you all some more data. You know, I like to bring out statistics. Yeah. A typical student takes 112 tests, 112, 112 mandated standardized tests between pre-kindergarten, between pre-kindergarten and 12th grade. That's according to the Council of Great City Schools. Give you some more data on this testing culture. Eighth graders spend an average of 25.3 hours during the school year taking standardized tests. Hmm. And here's the funniest part about all this testing. In 40% of the survey districts for this study, test results aren't available until the following school year, essentially making them useless for teachers who want to use the results. So you're doing all of this testing, and in 40% of the schools, they don't even get the results to the following year. That's not the dumbest thing. That is the same thing. So we have to create, I forget the plan name. However, there's a plan. School site council sits down and creates a plan for what's going to happen for the end of next school year, even though we're in the middle of the current school year. 
and we're writing plans about what we hope to see for a group of kids that we have not even tested. So, so you saying we're in 2018 and they're doing for the end of the 2019 year, which will technically be 2020? Absolutely. Right. It makes zero sense. Like, so you're, you're creating predictions on a group of kids and, and the problem with a lot of those plans, and this is the problem that I brought up and us creating those plans is that they say, well, we want to see a, you know, what we often hear a 15% increase. Yeah. In, our, in our proficiency levels. Well, we're testing different kids. It's not always, and even if we are testing the same kids or the same grade, like it, nothing's ever the same. So I don't understand what we're talking about when we talk about these percent increases. I, again, half the time, I don't understand the relevance or what we're getting out of most of these tests unless I actually get the test. I get a breakdown like, the STAR test, for instance, allows us to see a very specific breakdown of the areas that kids need assistance in, or you know, where they should start or what level they're doing mathematics at. That ends up being very useful for me. However, getting a number and then telling me to project what's gonna happen a year and a half from now. I, I don't, I mean, I, look, I'm all about planning, okay? But I mean, this man said forty percent of the <laughs> the districts. You you don't first you don't even know what the results are until when? What was this? Next the following year. year? <laughs> Next year. But, but how how is that? I mean, I guess what's the issue with getting this stuff? I guess getting the results. I mean, what's how hard is it? I mean, I don't know that side. So I guess what? So let let's be honest here. What's the real purpose of all the standardized testing? It's a business. That business makes a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. We can get beyond we're trying to evaluate effective teachers and see where students stand. Money, this is a business. You think about how much money goes into making tests. Think about how much money goes into the paper for the test, the pencils for the test, people to grade the test. It's a business. Money grab. I mean, it is, and you can still, I, I, I don't know if they're trying to get the results out to everybody, but let's just be honest. Most of these standardized tests that kids are taking now are electronic. They're, they're on a computer. So, and no, not all of them, but we're not utilizing like the paper piece isn't as heavy except for the Scantron. Like, yeah, you need the pencils, but a lot of the stuff, if I'm looking at, for instance, the IABs that my students are required to take twice a year, there's 15 questions most of them are multiple choice or the choices are already there. And all you have to do is go through and say they got 13 out of 15. Because really and truly, that's all the results that you're gonna, that's all the, that's all the data you're really gonna give me. Are you, are you giving like, or everyone that's in the grade that you teach, every educator that's in the grade that you teach, are y'all giving like a general curriculum that you're supposed to teach, like I guess throughout the year? that I guess kind of ties into these standardized tests, standardized? Oh, another issue. Yes, and So most, so big picture, most states follow standardized. They have standards. Most states have standards. Okay. And that's across the board. And historically, states have mostly had standards. Okay. But we're looking at the issue of the high stakes testing at the end of the year who are designed to see how well students are performing according to those standards. 
but that that's that's I think that's still part of the issue because for instance, when I'm told that I have to give this test by December 10th, say for instance, one of our IABs is due early in December. We already did it though. It wants me to test them on things that our curriculum has not set up for them to know yet. What do I do? So that's a, that's a bad testing. That's a bad testing mechanism. And we have to change the culture of testing and what's the reason for it. I'll give you two examples. One, I was working with the middle school. This middle school, we went and we sat down and I wanted them to map out how many tests they're given, in this case, math. They said, hey, we give them typically a weekly test in class. All right, check that box off. Cool. Then we do these benchmarks every other week, like for the school level. Check that box off. Oh my God. Then we do nine-week exams. Check that box off. Then we do the, let's say, the beginning of the year, midpoint, and the end of the year exams. So we told it out. These kids are getting on, like, official tests, not quizzes and homework. It was between 30 and 40 tests just in math. I said, all right, so you're testing them 30 to 40 times. Yeah, we test them 30, 40 times. I said, what about in English? Same thing. What about in science? Same thing. So, so, same thing. So you're giving these middle school kids, a sixth grader, over 100 some odd tests. I said, do you think you're testing them too much? They said, yeah. I said, what are your scores? Our scores, our scores are in the tubes. Like the school, great, like horrible test scores. They said they were testing them too much. I said, so what are you going to do about it? Oh, we're going to keep testing them. In so many words, I said, you all are idiots. The kids are getting over-tested. They're not performing. Obviously, it's not the test. You need to focus your energies on instruction and not just can we give them more tests. Another, another scenario, I was working here in the state of Florida. I was with a prominent legislator at the time. And with this particular legislator, she was saying when people come and talk about how much we're over-testing kids in Florida, they would literally go down the halls, you're testing too much, you're testing too much. Her as a legislator never understood it. She just knew parents would come to Tallahassee and complain. It wasn't until she literally saw on a piece of paper the number of times that kids were getting tested that it made sense to her. And she was like, oh, my gosh, we are over-testing. Mm. So from a pol- political standpoint, some legislators honestly don't even know. They just know, hey, we're trying to evaluate the effectiveness of teachers. So communication-wise, it has improved for this quote-unquote decision-makers to figure out you're testing kids too much. Oh, it's a whole thing. Cause, I mean, you have to think about that. I mean, how does that make sense that I am literally giving middle school kids, and we're talking about, hypothetically, let's just say they only got six classes, that they're being tested. Let's do, let's do the lower end 30 times, 180 times within a school year. And again, I have to think about what are you doing with the data, if you even get the data. That's my thing. The test is supposed to give you data. It's supposed to be something that you can utilize. Like, Let's be real. <laughs> even if you got the data, if I'm getting data, that much data, I cannot adjust my instruction that quickly. Yeah, no, no. To even effectively utilize the data. And here are three main problems with over-testing in schools. One, student fatigue. Two, practice effects and false positives. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that comes from what, what does the test look like? Is it multiple choice? Like everything's strictly multiple choice and you just get to play the guessing game. And the fact that I'm just tired of taking tests. I'm just, exactly. Like I'm tired. Like I'm physically tired, which will, I mean, think about you as a person. We're grown people where you're physically tired. Like if you're doing something that requires strength or energy, you're not going to be able to do it to your best of your ability at all because you're just physically tired. I mean, that's that's taxing. It's, who At the top of the house, like who thought that was a good idea? But it comes down to, let's be honest, there are some sorry teachers. Mm. With it being sorry teachers, we want to use a business model of how do we evaluate teachers and their effectiveness. And we swung the pendulum too far to the left or the right, whichever way we swung the pendulum too far. So we have to think about, and I'm not, I want to make it clear. I'm not against standardized tests because I think we still need to assess how students are doing. Absolutely. I'm against testing for the sake of testing for the sake of testing and then getting tests that the results are meaningless. I test a kid in May. I don't find out about the kid to the following school year. That's a meaningless test. So it's, having a culture of embedded tests that are meaningful to give me an accurate indication of how the student is performing. And then I can help the parent figure out how the students are performing and some things educators can do to prevent over-testing have a purpose for each assessment. I, when I'm working with teachers, you have to have a purpose for why you're testing the student. Second, align selected measures with the purpose. Third, know when to stop testing. Like educators need to be more diligent. You know when you've tested too much at the teacher level, at the administrative level, at the superintendent level. You know when you have enough data. Stop it. Are there enough teachers stepping up and saying that though? I don't I don't I think that they are, but I think uh -huh. the unfortunate thing is that from the top down yeah. Everybody's hearing the word from somebody above them saying, we got to test. We got to make sure that we get this done. It's going to result in you getting or not getting X, Y, and Z for your school. It, I think that you people hear us and we're saying it, but I don't, A, I don't think they're saying it loud enough, and B, I don't think they're saying it with that critical action behind it, where you're saying, you know what, this is a problem. Because that's why I said, like, yeah, I do believe there's a reason for testing, but I don't play the, like, let's get ready for the test game. I know too many teachers that do where it's like, it's a horse and pony show. I know you're about to take a test on blank, so let me try and spoon feed you as much of that as I can. Let me try to cram it in as much as I can so that it looks like you have good test results when next week you're not going to remember any of that. No, if I told you that my kids aren't ready for this test and you're still making me give it to them, I tell them, you know, you do your best. You make educated guesses. That's all you can do because I haven't even taught you this stuff yet. What are we going to do? Like, I, I'm not stressing it on that level, and I can't. But I, how, how much does this stuff weigh, like, from grade to grade with, with the kid? Like, how much does it – if you don't get the results back until the end of the year, like, how much does this stuff weigh? I mean, from the to a grade to another grade to a – I mean – I don't mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. It makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, for instance, we have SBAC. 
like in terms of our SBAC results, we know we've been telling the kids since we first wrote them out, hey, it's gonna affect your college acceptances and what classes you go into. But I have yet to hear or see what that looks like on paper, like what that looks like for those kids that got this result in, on the SBAC and what classes they enter going into college. Did it affect it? Did it not? And what way did it? Like, I, I, I cannot tell you. Let's say this. Are the tests effective? Are we truly seeing improvement? Point blank. What is the data showing us? Are we truly seeing an improvement in students and their educational experience? Mm -hmm. And when we can say, oh, we're having improvement, it's minimal. As we think about that minimum improvement, we need to reconsider this over-testing culture. What's the meaning of the test that we're given? So what are your final thoughts in regards to this culture of testing, over-testing? I mean, while I can only do so much to affect it right now in the space that I'm in, and, you know, if I'm mandated to give a test, I have to give it, I do know that there's something that I can take from it, and that's understanding how to adjust my instruction. You know, when kids, granted, they can't talk about the questions, but, you know, kids are, they want to talk about the questions. And they'll say, well, Miss, we've seen a question that was like, asking about this thing called a proportion. I'd be like, wow, we haven't got proportions yet. Let's make sure we talk about proportions later on. Or when I see the structure of tests or assessments, it does give me ideas on how to restructure my assessments so I'm getting more of a well-rounded view of what kids know or how they're able to express what they know. So yeah, I can't really, I, in the space that I'm in, I can only do so much to change the over-testing environment, but I can change how I make my students feel about it and how I feel about it and what we do with it during and after. It costs, I saw a study that said between six and $700 in a certain area of the country to administer a test per student. I think that's a lot of money. Less tests, less stress. Oh, more money for real stuff. As we think about this culture of over-testing of students, this leads us to our inspiring, inspirational moment this week. The inspirational moment is being brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Christopher Childs. As we think about this culture of over-testing, on this episode, a great comment was made. It comes down from the top. A lot of times when we think about things that are happening in education, the teachers will say it came from the principal. The principal will say it came from the district. The district will say it came from the superintendent. Superintendent say it came from the state. The state will say it came from da-da-da-da. But as we talk about this comes down from the top and essentially passing the buck, what we need, challenging our listeners, we need bold educational leaders. And you don't have to be a leader by title. You're a leader by the actions. What are you going to do to facilitate change in the respective environment that you have and the control that you have? Well, it's the control in your classroom. You know your students are getting over-tested. What are you going to do to mitigate that? What are you going to do to lessen the effects on the students that you say you care about? If you're a principal, what are you going to do to push back if the district is given too many tests and you know what's best for your students? You know what's best for your school? What are you doing at the district level to push back against the superintendent or the state to create change? We can't keep saying, oh, someone told me to do this or I have to do this. If you know it's not working, you know it's not right. Why the heck are you continuing to do it? If you continue to do it, you're perpetuating the problem and you're a part of the problem. And I'm going to call you out and say you shouldn't even be an educator. 
we don't need robotic educators. We need people that are developing people to be change agents. Because if you're a robotic educator, just following what you're supposed to do, not trying to make it better, just being procedural, guess what? You're putting that on the students that we serve each and every day, and that's what you're developing them to be. And we don't need a robotic society. We need a society who's going to go out and face the world's problems and create solutions. We need bold leaders to train them up to do these things. You say you care about your students, but do you really care about them? Do you really care about them? Think about every action you do every single day on the big scale and the small scale. Are those the best things that you're doing for your students? Start challenging what you're told to do, but start challenging yourself to do better. We cannot keep passing the buck and we cannot keep being average when it comes to education. The education, as Malcolm X said, education is a passport to the future. A passport to the future. Are you creating that passport to, put to the future for your students or are you just creating, hey, good luck. Give me a piece of paper, a diploma, and you move on about your life. If it's not you making the change and who is going to make the change to make education for the better, for the next generation. We need bold leaders, not bold leaders by title, but bold leaders by action to change the educational system, to stop this culture over testing, the culture of over testing, but to stop foolishness in education and to make a better society in which we live. Spot on. I've been Dr. Chris Childs with your inspirational moment. I want to thank my co-host, Lila, any final thoughts? I do care. I'm going to work on it, Chris. The girls came for me. Like, that was, a, that was, he was subbing there. He said, Lila, I'm looking you in your eyes. You better do better. I said, okay. So I'm going to do better. I care. I promise. <laughs> Jadron. Let's take it to another level, guys. Let's show that we care. Like Dr. Child said, let's show and prove. Continue to be great. Thank y'all so much again for the incredible work that you're doing out there. And keep blazing the trail. And the rotors are Roland Martin. And this is what I do since I have a platform. If you're doing good, I'm going to talk about you. If you do bad, I'm going to talk about you. So no educators, I'm going to talk about you. It's up to you in which sense you're going to get talked about. This has been the Inspiring Educators Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. We out. I can dig it. Wow. <laughs> what? Hold it in the road. Oh, my gosh. Find me. <laughs> Don't know about that.